Well, hello everyone. We're here again with our third week in the Advent series. Darren has shared on hope for you. David has shared on faith. And now today we're looking at peace. Well, I'd just like to pray before we start. Lord God, you came to give us so much to restore to us that which has been stolen. Lord, we just come and ask today, Father, ask that your word, Lord, will go out with power this morning. As we speak this, Lord, as it comes forth, Lord, that your truth, Lord, will set us free. Lord, I just pray that you'll bring us revelation this morning. Bring us revelation to really hear what you are saying. Lord, that will come freedom, freedom to your people, freedom to every listener, Father, to know that peace comes from you. Father, there will be desire and a hunger that will come from your word. Lord, to know you more and to know that peace. Lord, anoint your word, I pray. Bless it as I deliver it this morning. Take it, Lord, and use it, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this world will try and sell us peace. Just Google how many books or seminars you could go to on peace. How many advertisements are there trying to convince us that if we just have that product, we will have peace. If we use it, we'll be able to triumph over our fears. They won't control us anymore. There's so many help programs out there. How many billions and billions of dollars are spent in our society on people trying to find peace? If these methods work so well, why are we needing to so continually produce more and more? Why do we live in a world where anxiety is such a commonplace thing? I read this statement the other week which says, peace is the grand necessity of a fallen world. How true is that? Peace is the thing that humanity craves because it is a fundamental need that we all have since our lives were separated from God by sin. God's people have been waiting centuries for the promise of a saviour who would restore peace. That day finally came, the prophecy was fulfilled from Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He had arrived. God spared no expense in making his announcement to the world. We read of the account of it in Luke chapter 2, 8 to 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. The first angel announces that he has news that will bring great joy. Notice the immediate terror of the shepherds when exposed to the glory of God. Before the fall, Adam and Eve walked daily in the midst of God's glory. They just went happily about, tending to caring for creation. 
enjoying God's company, communicating with him freely. But now humanity's first response to God's glory is fear. Well, not even fear. Scripture tells us they were terrified. But the angel's first words were, do not be afraid. And then I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Fear has become humanity's constant companion since dethroning God from our hearts in the Garden of Eden. But now the long-awaited saviour has come. Who will this saviour be? The shepherds are told Messiah, translated the Christ, meaning anointed one. Not just an anointed one, but the anointed one of God, the Lord. Well, Lord was often a common term, but the particular use of it here is translated Yahweh, which is Hebrew for God. So we have the anointed one, God. In other words, Christ the Lord, which is the highest possible term that this child could be given. God himself had come to restore to humanity that which had been destroyed in the Garden of Eden. What was it that would bring us great joy? A whole host of angels appear to declare. Imagine how loud this must have been, a whole host of angels declaring in the skies, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those on whom God's favour rests. Peace, peace. God's glory was manifested here on earth in the person of Jesus Christ, God's own son. And as God's glory reigned, peace would be restored. I often wondered about the angel's message to the shepherds, peace on earth. I used to think, well, you might have declared it, but where is it? There seem to be very few pockets of peace on this earth. We can look at nations that continually war against each other, crime rights, rates, slave trades, natural disasters, the feuds that go on between individuals, families, societies, governments, work colleagues, the human atrocities that take place, the natural disasters that create so much trauma for people, and then so many other things in life that bring grief, anxiety and fear into our midst. Where is this peace on earth about which God made his most spectacular announcement? Where is it? Well, God never promised peace to everyone on earth. This declaration was for God's people. Peace was conditional upon having God's favour, which referred to his own people. We become his people through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh, God himself. And it was for those who would receive him. He had come to destroy the power of sin over humanity and take our punishment for us. He had come to make a way for God to be restored to his rightful place of Lord in the human heart, bringing peace to a lost humanity. Peace was now available to all of us and as God's glory is exalted in our lives, we will have that peace. It's available to all, but it's only for those who actually take hold of it and receive Jesus. 
Peace was not sent to us or given to us in the form of a thing or a thought or an experience or a place or a lifestyle. It came in the form of the living God himself, in the form of a person, one with whom I can have a living relationship. Peace does not come as a result of doing all the right things. As for one, we can't. Nor is it found in a certain place or a specific circumstance. If that is where we are trying to find peace or basing our peace on, then we are selling ourselves very, very short. God has something so much greater and so more powerful for us, something so much more secure for us than that. Corrie Ten Boone tells of a conversation that she had with her father when she was a child. Daddy, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Tell me, father said, when you take a train trip from Harlem to Amsterdam, when do I give you the money for the ticket? Three weeks before? No, daddy, you give me the money for the ticket just before we get on the train. That is right, my father said, and so it is with God's strength. Our wise father knows when you are going to need things too. Today, you do not need the strength to be a martyr, but as soon as you are called upon for the honour of facing death for Jesus, he will supply the strength you need just in time. She went on to tell about an experience in the concentration camp. Some other prisoners had asked her to tell them some Bible stories. If caught, the punishment was a slow and painful death. As she was sharing with them, she realised that there was a prison guard standing behind her. This guard was one of the cruelest of the guards. Corrie just continued on with her story and then she suggested singing a hymn, which was pushing it a bit far. When they had finished, the guard, who was still standing behind her, just told them to keep singing. Corrie actually ended up being able to share Jesus with this guard. But she ends her story by saying, Yet never before had I felt such peace and joy in my heart as while I was giving the Bible message in the presence of mine enemy. The very presence of Jesus in her life was Corrie's peace. Just like her dad told her, God gave her everything she needed when she needed it. Peace triumphed in a cruel and terrifying concentration camp. It had nothing to do with her circumstances. It was all about that great truth that the host of angels declared to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those on whom his favour rests. God's glory always precedes his peace. Jesus had come to restore this right order in the heart of humankind. As God's glory is exalted in my life, I will have his peace. In this particular instance for Corrie, the enemy came in the form of Hitler's regime in a concentration camp. But Satan has been at work in the heart of humankind since God created the first man and woman. He has an infinite variety of ways to imprison people, stealing our freedom and our peace. From extremely harsh and cruel imprisonment in a concentration camp to living in a lovely, safe home in a free country, it doesn't really matter. He's a master at deception and a master at destruction and a master of control. 
he has not changed. From that first conversation with Adam and Eve, Satan had been causing humanity to doubt the goodness and the trustworthiness of God. His plan has always been to undermine the glory of God in the human heart. This in turn would alienate us from the presence of God, thus stealing the peace of God from us. He can make our captivity look blatantly obvious or he can very cleverly disguise it. But the answer to freedom in our hearts and minds is always the same. As God's glory is exalted in my life, I will have his peace in the midst of whatever I am facing. God tells us in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what it did for Corrie in a horrific situation. It can be ours in any situation. Fear did not hold Corrie captive despite living in the midst of and experiencing some of the most horrific atrocities and living conditions of a concentration camp with every type of natural freedom and dignity stripped from her. God's peace was powerfully resident and gave her a courage that was supernatural. Daniel displayed this truth when the threat of being fed to the lions did not stop him from honouring God. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were being forced to bow to the golden image, they declared, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, I cannot imagine that they were not fearful of being placed into the furnace. But God had given them a peace that gave them a supernatural courage to face what was in front of them. His glory was on the throne of their lives. They did not know whether they were going to be rescued or not. Their peace did not depend on that. God was their peace. And the scriptures go on to tell us that they were thrown into the furnace, but God himself walked in there with them. God can give us this courage and this peace. God gave us these testimonies of others that we would take hold of these truths for ourselves. This is the truth for us as well. As God's glory is exalted in my life, I will have his peace. And from his peace, I will gain a strength and a courage to face what I need to. It's nothing about me. It's all about God being on the throne of my life. If God is in his rightful position in my life, circumstances won't dictate my peace. The first commandment to the nation of Israel was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your mind. If this was in place, then it would cause everything else about them to fall into its proper order. Giving glory to God in the highest would bring peace to his people. But his people kept replacing him 
by worshipping idols. Idols were on the throne of their heart. They stopped trusting him. They stopped obeying him. And as a result, would continually end up in wars and in slavery. This is why the angel's message is so powerful for us. God came to do what humans keep failing at. He came to pay the price for our sin, to restore us to a right position with himself, giving us a new heart, giving us access back into his presence where his peace is found. No part of God's creation has the capacity to fix the broken relationship between man and God. It's a bit like a broken pot trying to put itself back together again. It can't. The human heart needs, needs God. And only God, only God can restore us back to himself. Only God can give us that peace. Whatever we could offer God as payment for sin would be tarnished by sin. There is nothing that we can do to pay our debt. The great news is that Jesus came to be our peace as we live our lives out in these frail human bodies in a sinful world. We don't have to wait until heaven. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus tells us that he has brought the kingdom of God here for us now. I can be restored into a right relationship with him and I can have peace with him. It's now. It's ours now. If you have invited Jesus into your life to be Lord, then you have invited peace itself into the centre of your being. Ephesians tells us that he himself is our peace. He hasn't just given us peace. It is not this conditional thing based on where my life is at or what is happening or in, in or around me. Peace is a person. It's in the person of Jesus. Peace with God is not about the absence of trials, wars, hardships, etc. It is about peace, a peace with God that rules in my heart, that no trial or hardship can strip me of. In John 14, 27, Jesus states, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God's peace is not of the world and it doesn't originate from the world. The Hebrew word for peace often referenced throughout scripture is shalom, meaning wholeness and completeness. It is the rest of restoration and unification of all things. This is what Jesus has done for us. The world does not have the wholeness and completeness, but we certainly can have it in Jesus. In that concentration camp, Corrie was stripped of everything, everything physical, but these horrific things could not steal her peace. God's peace brought her wholeness and completeness with joy and with strength. She then became a vessel of the shalom of God as so many lost women discovered God's love and peace through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That concentration camp could not hold them captive and it could not limit the glory of God. The glory of God brought peace right into the midst of evil. If Corrie's peace had been based on anything else, it would not have survived the camp. There is so much more for us 
in knowing God's peace. As God's glory is exalted in my life, I will have his peace. But do you find yourself knowing this but still not experiencing God's peace? I know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I know that my peace is to be found in him. I know that he said to be anxious for nothing. I know that I'm not to fear, but it doesn't seem to be a reality in my life. David felt like this when he expressed his thoughts in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night, but I find no rest. But then David declares, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. God is obviously already king. He doesn't need anyone to enthrone him. So what is David talking about? It's about enthroning God in my life by praising him. I need to have him enthroned on my heart. As I exalt him, it doesn't necessarily change my situation, but it changes my perspective on things. I have a greater picture of who he is. It lifts me higher. It lifts me higher up to see things more from God's perspective and to see who he really is. Often we can be looking for our peace in the things that God does for us or the things that he delivers us from. But often he is wanting us to experience his peace right in the midst of them. Fear is a reality while here on earth. God would only have told us to take courage if he knew that there would be things that would frighten us. Sometimes we can be full of guilt because we live with something that we haven't managed to defeat in Jesus' name. I had an experience once when the girls were little, when Robert was working away a lot. Although the experience was nothing, it really frightened me and it was like fear entered me. For a long time afterwards, I would become very anxious when Robert told me that he was going to be away at some stage. And then when he was actually gone, all day I would be anxious about the night that was ahead of me. I would stay up until early hours in the morning and then when I did go to bed, I'd leave all the lights on and I would just lay there and wait till the sun came up. I would do everything. I would do everything. I would quote scripture, every scripture. I would just quote. I'd spend all this time quoting scripture. Everything that I could find on fear and peace and deliverance. I had people pray for me. I would be continually praying. I would play worship music. But still, I lived with this horrible fear. But the worst of it was that I felt so guilty as a Christian that I wasn't appropriating my faith, that I wasn't believing God enough. I felt so guilty and so defeated. The first stage of my peace came when I gave up trying to beat the fear myself. I couldn't. God spoke to me through his word in Chronicles and said to me, this is not your battle. It is mine, declares the Lord. Stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. That was the beginning of my peace. It's like all the pressure came off me. 
I still had the fear, but I had a confidence now. I had a peace that my God would rescue me somehow. And it wasn't on my shoulders anymore. So how is this glorifying God? Well, just the acknowledgement that I needed him was putting God in his rightful place in my life. And then the declaration of his word and my belief in him to do what he said he would. This was esteeming him to his rightful place in my life and then waiting, just waiting until he did with him still in the right place in my life. Even though my initial fear still plagued me, I had this peace and God, my peace was God was not expecting me to fight the battle and he would do it. I was trusting him to fight it for me and if God fights, he wins. I had a peace amidst the fear that God was in charge of my life. Sometimes the thing that we want can dominate our lives so much that it can move in as an idol without us even realising it. It could be anything, this infinite number in our human world. Like it could be the partner that I desire, the job that I just so desperately need, being free of the bully being able to pay my bills, being well again, being able to walk, having friends, my freedom. The list just goes on and on. We, we can have it. But do not be lured into finding your peace in something else. You just set yourself up for an ambush if you do. Don't set your peace on the things that God gives us or you want God to give you. It will ultimately cause us to fall. There are lots of good things and these things are not bad, like they are all good things. But if they take priority over God's place in my heart, it won't make for a peaceful life. Anything that I'm setting up there will become an idol and idols are ruthless masters. They can look good for a season, but they can end up so controlling us and stripping us of our peace. Make sure you guard your heart. Do a checklist today. Is there anything in your life that has taken God's place? Ask God to show you, because sometimes we don't even see it. If so, bring it before him with a sorry heart. Repentance is your first step to discovering the peace of God in your life. Just admit it and ask him to help you put him in his right place in your heart. It's what Jesus came for. The Prince of Peace has come. Emmanuel, God with us. He is worthy of all our honour. He is worthy to be held in the highest place in our lives. We are called to walk with him to love him, to know him. We are called to delight in him and delight in his law. He has come to bring us great joy as we know his peace in our lives. No part of creation can give us this peace. Oh, let's sing out loud. Let our lives testify to his peace that others will see it and others will want him too. Let's just sing aloud with the angels. Glory to God in the highest. Let our lives display that. Let that be the cry of my heart. 
Let it be the expression of our very lives. The Prince of Peace has come. Do not let anything, anything take God's rightful place in our life. Again, let's hold it, let's guard it. As God's glory is exalted in our lives, we will have his peace. Glory, glory, glory to God in the highest. Let that be the proclamation of our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you came to us in a fallen world in this weak bodies, sinful bodies and you came and you paid that price for us you set us back in right relationship with us you gave us your righteousness and you took our shame our guilt father you live in us you are peace and we just thank you for that oh holy spirit come enable us to really walk in this truth that we may be a light that shines to those who just live in fear that they could come out of that fear and enjoy the peace that you came to give for all peoples. Thank you, Lord. Amen.